Welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome. This is Sharon Smith, and this is Iambic Poetry Podcast. Today, we're going to have a little bit of a different podcast for you. Um, I am going to take a couple weeks off, and I have another podcaster who allowed me to rebroadcast his podcast on our platform. He is none other than Sacramento's legendary poets, David and yes, Damola. You might say, well, Shrum, why don't you put one of your podcasts out then? Well, you know what? This came to me as a gift and I'm honored and also intrigued on what he's put out on his podcast. He's put out a video podcast where it's had at least five to six um, poets that he interviewed and he put it on YouTube. But I get to use the audio version to put out to you. My Lutchless fans. So his company or his um, podcast is called Operation Free Soul. That is his organization that he goes with. And this um, episode is going to be on his interview with J-Row. J-Row, if you notice, we, we have interviewed J-Row also on my podcast. So the reason why I am putting this episode out is because our illustrious J. Row, J. Row, Jeanette, is moving to Philadelphia before the end of this year. Now, I'm gonna miss my sis. So she did a um she had a her final poetry feature last week and I was there to to Zoom facilitate a Zoom meeting to to everyone else out there who wanted to see it. So I got that honor and privilege and I was grateful to do it. But this is for J Row and and yes for him give me the honor of having the audio version of his podcast and for Jay Rowe for, for being one of the people that I um, interviewed, but also in her next future endeavors. Hope we will meet again soon. I am pretty sure. But for now, I'm going to let y'all listen to Operation Free Soul with Agnes interviewing Jeanette J. Rowe Sims. Peace. Hello, this is the Free Soul Podcast. My name is Ann, yes, and I am here with one of my favorite people and one of my favorite poets. It's rare that they get to be the exact same person. 
and I'm here with him today. Uh, this is J Row, Jeanette Row. Please say hi to the people. Well, hello, beautiful people. <laughs> and I, I, I guess I've got the big question to ask you first, which is, how's your day been? <laughs> My day has been, it's been great. It's been great. She said very convincingly for everyone to believe. Uh, we we don't need to get into it too much. There's a lot of a lot of things going on in your life at the moment. Yeah. Uh, which kind of feeds into a theme that I want to discuss. I wanted to try having a, a bit of a theme with the this with these podcasts. Uh, so the theme of the day is tension. Because what I've noticed is with your poetry, and I don't know if it's a conscious thing, I've noticed that a lot of writers tend to just do it without really consciously thinking about it. You play with tension in your poetry beautifully. And by tension, I don't just mean like you're angry and then joyful, but the pacing of how you speak and how you break it up with, um, like, for a great example is in the Tellum poem, how Tellum is always the reset point. And then you ramp up, ramp up, ramp up, and then you reset with tell them you matter. And I guess when it comes to poetry, is that tension important to you? Is that something you actively go for? Is that something you just naturally fall into? Hmm. That's so funny. I I just naturally fall into it. Yeah, Yeah, I think that is just what naturally happens. I think it kind of reflects life mm. everything is an ebb and flow and at some point you have to reset mm. so i think it tends to kind of manifest in my art yeah and i've noticed i do it when i'm writing personally when i just can't think of where to go next yeah so is that like yeah a tactic? yeah yeah because I, when you get stuck with your writing what do you do besides <laughs> that yeah uh so i we, that's funny we we're just talking about it um i <laughs> Kind of just set it aside and I'll either just sit and listen to some dope music or try to read something creative. Mm-hmm. But um, if nothing comes out, then nothing comes out. Yeah. But, well, I mean, cue me more into like the Jeanette world because what do you listen to? Put me in like your mood. What do you read? What do you listen to to break yourself of that? That's such a great question. So um, sh- lately, lots of, I mean, usually lots of hip hop uh I really am digging Sylvan LeCue. I really appreciate the vulnerability behind his work. Uh, it's like it's it's very open and there's it's a it, it's a very sensitive kind of work of art, but there's this grittiness, this rawness to it. It feels very honest, so that's really inspirational. Mm. Um, so I'd say um, Isaiah Rashad is another one. Um, same, just keeping it really honest, but also addressing feelings, right? That's stuff that's going on inside. Um, in terms of reading, I'm really open, but like I said, when I get stuck, I'll try to go to something creative. So, uh, I just, just picked up the book, um, how long until when I think it's black future month or something like that. Hmm. Um, it's a sci-fi piece or novel so this is it's a little different for me but um i'm excited to kind of like stretch my imagination with it oh so so what's it about give me the breakdown uh so i guess it's like uh (laughs) it's uh it's she's between it's essentially different tenses so like past present future Mm. i don't know the details and about it yet Uh, you're still journeying through it still yeah (laughs) and i just kept hearing a lot of good things about it so i was like yeah let's give it a spin um 
But yeah, in terms of what else will inspire me, uh, any any poetry. So whether that's like YouTube, whether it's reading something. Um, as you know, Saul Williams is like my go-to, um, and you know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the part. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, I had some technical issues I've been having with the podcast, and uh, we tried to do this once. And I'm like, you know what? Let me upgrade my equipment. Let me get it back on track uh, and then come back to it. So the first time we talked about the fact that in 2018, yeah, right, at the California Democratic Convention, which we got to do, you got introduced to Saul Williams, yeah. which blew my mind because your style is so <laughs> reminiscent of him. And what did you think when you first listened to Saul? I was honestly just so taken aback by the balance he has between there's this eloquence, but then there's this real, this realness, this rawness to it. So he'll, he'll use these beautiful metaphors and then he'll say the N word, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, it feels very real to me. Um, and he's very grand on stage in a way that doesn't feel over the top. It just feels very powerful. So that, that was really cool to see. And, uh, also, he has such a unique look, honestly, mm. to be really honest. Yeah. Yeah. I've never really seen him wearing the same thing, like in terms of how he physically looks. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> cool. And he plays with like all kind. Like, I feel like his style is pretty fluid, too. Mm. Like, he doesn't get caught up in like, this is what guys wear. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, how would you describe your your style? Ooh. Uh, yeah. I So, I'd say in terms of like tools and things I use, uh repetition is huge for me mm-hmm. um and i think that goes back to like that resetting mm-hmm. um and then also just trying to really reiterate my point right yeah. um so repetition uh, <clears throat> metaphors right <laughs> obviously i'm a poet uh but i am also if i'll be if i'm being if i'm being quite honest <laughs> if i'm it's being a line from a poem. <laughs> if i'm being honest i'm really actually working on not hiding behind metaphors so much mm, what do you mean by hiding behind metaphors um it's really easy to say uh you know thoughts from a foreign moon whisper wishes right versus I have all these effing voices in my head and I can't freaking sleep and I've been up all night and here's why, right? So it's just a little bit easier. Yeah, kind of touches on the idea of academic poetry versus practical, like things that anyone could read. As a journalist, I appreciate that thought because I used to be an editor and Mm -hmm. I had writers more than once complain about the fact that we feel like we're dumbing down our writing. Mm. We feel like we're making it dumb because we have to make it everybody be able to understand. I'm like, no, there's a a beautiful art in the fact that you can create something that anyone, no matter how complex it is. And what you're talking about with the idea of being a black woman in America is a very complicated subject for a lot of America. And to be able to break that down so beautifully is an art form within itself and a beautiful one. I'm smiling. <laughs> <laughs> and it's true. Uh, I feel like you kind of have the, the same problem that I do, which is the taking a compliment yes. could be a little bit weird. <laughs> and you kind of tense up. Um, how long has that been like an issue? Has that been just like a lifelong thing? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to work on it. We're working on it. That's Here right. Here we go. Uh, this is, this is going to be a challenge for this podcast. When I compliment you, 
Or you compliment me, you don't have to. That's not like I'm not trying to take you, but like also like, you know, if you want to, like whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, when you get complimented, take it. Just take it. Take it. Okay. And we're going to work on this together because I'm going to do now. the same shit. Coming in hot. Because <laughs> you're a beautiful poet. And I don't just mean like physically, you. yes, you're a physically radiant human being, but the words that you have to speak are valid worth speaking and are spoken in a way that anybody can relate to on subject matters that are typically not discussed nearly enough in our country, which pulls me into a a discussion I wanted to have with you in a poem. I can't remember which one. Please remind me of it. Uh, uh, The line is something to the point of, I speak on being a woman. I speak on being a black woman. I speak on being a woman and black or I'm getting it wrong completely. No, you're not. (laughs) (laughs) What's the line and what's the poem? (laughs) Um, I speak on being a woman. I speak on being a black woman. I speak on how I'm never sure on which one to prioritize. Yeah. And I, I guess me being not black and not a woman could you break that down for me? Because I feel like there's a distinction between being a woman and being black mm-hmm. and then the combination of those two things in terms of the complication of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think anytime you're talking about like any like intersectional identity type situations, like uh, it, it gets tricky, right? Um, so for me, it's that it's it's kind of everything has layers. Cause like even talking about feminism, like it's not, it was not initially meant for black women. Mm. Right. Mm. Feminism is uh, historically speaking, always been more, more so for white women. So like, uh, you know, there's that battle there because of course you're fighting for like equal rights in terms of gender, but then there's like, okay, wait, there's also still this divide. Am I on the same playing field? It's still a different struggle. Yeah. Uh, and just to get at what you're referencing to for listeners who might not know, uh, the right for women to vote was given to white women first before mm-hmm. black women. Uh, and that's kind of what you're touching on there. Just wanted to put that out there. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> and, you know, I'll even I'll be very be I'll be very vulnerable um, with with this with this uh, interview. So even you know, talking about being a woman, being black. And then there's also, you know, stepping into like my queer identity too. Mm. Right. So you always wonder like, Hey, is there room for my blackness within the realms of feminism? Is there room for my sexuality within the realm of blackness? It's just incredibly layered. So those are the types of things that I try to address because it's like, it almost feels like you have to pick your battle. Mm. But different, but different parts of yourself are allowed to exist at the same time. So it's just a lot trying to figure out how do you let those shine without um, letting other people kind of, you know, <sighs> impose their ideologies on you and make you feel like you're not enough. Yeah. And it gets into kind of the idea of uh, code switching. Ha. <laughs> Which we've talked about a few times. Uh, all podcast things aside. And... Uh, I mean, here's a real simple example of it when uh, we talk about code switching. When I worked for Apple, I was a tech support advisor, and here's my tech support advisor (laughs) voice. Hi, welcome to Apple. My name is David. How can I help you today? I try to make myself sound not Cuban, not like someone with depression, not like anything. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's an example of code switching there. I, I guess, how often do you feel like you have to code switch? Oh my goodness. Yo, every day. Every day? Every day. Like once a day or like? Like all day. Mm. Essentially from the moment, especially when we're talking about in the workplace, right? Um, but what I'm learning is you can still code switch and be authentic. Mm. Yeah. It just takes practice. How do you do that? Um, well, I still, I mean, I still hang on to my values and share things that I enjoy doing. And then it's just like little things. Like, uh, for instance, if you were to walk into my office, it's BLM, it's mm-hmm. uh, Black Panther, it's, you know, it's all kinds of, you'll see all kinds of stuff in there. So it's like people understand what I'm about. I don't need to, you know, and unfortunately the measuring stick has, it is, uh, you know, white culture is the dominant culture. And I think when we hear code switching, we, we tend to default to that, that voice you were just using. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's also the voice I use for cops when I get pulled over. That part. <laughs> and I, it gets me out of many a ticket. Yeah. You'd be surprised by the number of times that I get a ticket when I don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but what code switching does, it, it, it allows you to kind of bridge the gap between cultures, yeah. honestly, right? And not that I get a ticket every week, just to be clear. <laughs> Remember the one you got yesterday? Shh, don't okay, tell them. God, I'm an upstanding oh, citizen. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I don't know if that answers your question. No, it absolutely does. Because, um, again, it's one of those discussions that we don't have nearly enough. We have the idea in society, I feel like, of like, it's hard to be a black woman mm-hmm. because society. Mm-hmm. But we never dig deeper into that of like, practically, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, the even from what I understand, at least a lot of the time for black people in general and for Hispanic people who present you know, in a way that stereotypically would be considered Hispanic or Latinx or whatever, um, even going into a store can be complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever, because I've noticed even I've been like followed a couple times. Oh, yeah. 100. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you know, it's uh, it's the black lady with the little fro mm-hmm. walking around. I look different, right? Um yeah, so it it's it's so interesting, like you know, kind of going back to why we code switch. Um, a lot of, of a lot of it is, you know, we are trying to avoid affirming those negative stereotypes. Mm-hmm. We are trying to achieve upward mobility, right? So it's just there's so much that goes into it. So when something like you being followed in a store happens, it's you know it gets confusing, and so you have to think about which part of yourself are you going to activate. Yeah. And that, to me, is the art of code switching. Interesting. Yeah. And because it, it could be hard because at that point you're faced with the idea of you can't really confront the person who's following you or else you come off as crazy, aggressive, aggressive yeah. et cetera. But also you're by your silence and not saying anything right. about it, you're seen as being it being okay yeah. to do this. Exactly. I guess, how do you, is there a balance for that for you? Absolutely. So I, I've always taken the stance of kill them with kindness when you can. Mm. So for instance, if that, if that were to happen, I would say, Oh, I'm sorry. I, I might have looked like I needed help. I don't. I'm good. Thank you so much though, which is just a cue for them to like, Hey, I see you following me. Please stop. (laughs) Right. Because you know, then if, and they know you see them. Right. So like, let's just stop. 
Yeah. Right? There's no, I don't need to turn around and cuss you out and tell you you ain't shit, even though like you kind of aren't, right? Like, it's not going to help anything. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it really speaks to a certain level of your, your personal growth and self-acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, I got it right. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I, I guess and that's a whole other path that you've been on for, well, as long as I've known you, certainly, uh, since the first time that I saw you at the outdoor open yeah. mic, most open mic in the city, and you were the quiet person who was speaking your poems like this, <laughs> into your little book, and you were just like, okay. Uh, and and uh, up until now, and I guess, what, had, what triggered this self-growth? Because when you go on stage now, mm. versus when you started, you are a force. Thank Period. You. Like, every time I see you, I'm like, damn. I want more. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And I'm not the only one. Like, yeah. <laughs> Look, I took the compliment. You did. No, I'm, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> I also announced it. So there's that. <laughs> I mean, hey, we're working. Small Baby steps. steps. <laughs> Baby steps. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I So I, it's funny. I was talking to, honestly, I was talking to a friend, Andrew, a mm-hmm. couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about growth. And it really comes down to this, which is either you do the work or you get worked. Mm. It's up to you, right? Um, And so I think what you have seen kind of transpire on stage over the past couple of years is me being really intentional about speaking my truth. Yeah, yeah. That's like what every performance has to be rooted in. If it doesn't feel real, if it doesn't feel like my truth, it's trash. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And does it get down to even choosing what poem you want for a particular night like maybe you feel this one a little bit more yeah so it's funny because like the more i guess experience i i get the the more i'm okay with having kind of like well okay i'm really like i feel like i'm in a great space for like any three of these could work so then i kind of wait until you know either you know the slam or like, what am I feeling? What am I really feeling? And I go from there. Yeah. yeah it's a nice balance because it's like you can still prepare and have like your practice, but you're not like stuck with this, these poems, right? Because <laughs> if I'm having a wonderful, lovely week and it's all butterflies and sunshine, like I might want to spit my joy piece, Yeah, you know? But if it's a shitty day and, you know, I feel like I need to yell and go ham, I'm going to spit the N-word. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it gets into kind of what we were talking about at the start with this idea of playing with tension, even within your own self a little bit. Yeah. yeah that- <laughs> <laughs> Which is beautiful. And you have this ability to deliver a piece. And I'm going to praise incoming. Um <laughs> So, uh, a lot of spoken word poets, especially in the slam scene, they know how to play with tension in terms of they build it up for three minutes, and then you have the crescendo, and that's it. And you get three minutes of that, build up, crescendo, end piece, next. I feel like it's really cool for the single poem. I can't watch an hour of that. I can't. (laughs) Because it's just, it gets too repetitive in terms of the flow of the piece where you know where the next beat's coming. Um, The subject matter might be different, but the presentation stays the same. With you, I've noticed, especially lately, because you've been writing more about self-love versus things that annoy you and frustrate you. (laughs) um, I've noticed that I would love to hear like an hour-long set of Jeanette. And I'm wondering, this is the big... (laughs) 
wonder. Not supposed to ask questions that you don't know the answer to, but I'm going to do it anyway, <laughs> as I've done frequently on this podcast. Are we going to get like a, a one-woman show with Jeanette? That's so funny. <laughs> yes, yes. I'm working on a lot of things. That's definitely something that it seems to be coming together naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm working on this EP, and I feel like essentially that is the one-woman show. Mm. So it's just a matter of kind of, you know, building those transitions and really kind of getting in that mindset. Because I think that will I'll have to take on a little bit more of a theater mindset for that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is new territory. Yeah. yeah. And you've got people to help. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I, I'm excited. I love, love helping people with figuring out their, especially <laughs> their first one. Yeah. Where they're like, I don't know what to do. What to do with my hands? Let's organize your stuff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, make it work. Um, and And you mentioned, this is big news. Jeanette has an EP coming out with a lot of amazing music on it. Shout outs to Ferris, who lives yes. out in Texas, who did all the instrumentation, right? Yes. Yeah. Like beautiful backing music. I've got I've gotten to hear a little bit of it. I got to hear a little bit of it <laughs> while it's being recorded. Yeah. Uh, be jealous because wow. Like sincerely, I'm not just saying that because she's standing right or sitting right in front of me. Beautiful work, as always. Thank you. But especially with that background music, it's just it hits. Um, I guess, is there like a time frame for you when you're looking to like put this out to the world? Yeah. So we're hoping to, I mean, we've got a little time, but we're hoping to release uh, a single in August. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a really honest, a little bit of an edgier piece, but I'm excited for it. It's a good vibe. <laughs> Edgy in what way? Elaborate. For um, <clears throat> So even though I'm still using some metaphors, mm-hmm. I'm pretty direct. Mm-hmm. On, and I think it's really easy to understand what I'm talking about. Um, I, and just to be fair, it's called My Honest Poem. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to give too much of it away, but um, <laughs> it's a very honest poem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. I, well, I can't wait to hear that one. I don't think I've heard that one yet. Not I? yet. Yeah. It's going to be pretty rad. More things. Okay, cool. Uh, perfect. And... So we've talked a little bit about your growth path. We've talked a little bit about um, just how you approach the art. And I guess the logical next step I've got to go with this is on this self-love journey, Mm. what's your next step? Ooh, wow. Yeah. You would make a great counselor. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I studied to be a psychologist. I see I wanted to be a priest as a kid. And then I went, you know what? The church doesn't do it for me. I'm going to be a a therapist. And then I went into journalism for much the same reason. And then I do poetry for much the same reason. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously. I mean, I think they're all kind of pretty related. Did I just take a compliment? You did. Oh, my God. Okay. We're killing it. We're working on it. We're working on it. We're doing this thing. I can be confident. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, what's your next, what's your next like self-love journey? What's your Mm. goals, I guess? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't know if I have like, by this day, I want to do this. (laughs) I think for me, it's just being, allowing myself to be more vulnerable. Mm. Um, because I think when you feel like there are things that you can't share when, you know, or there are things about yourself that you have to kind of hide or, or, uh, you know, muffle, if you will, it's, it's, you lose part of yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, you have to ask yourself, well, why am I hiding that part? Mm. Oh, it's cause I don't fuck with that part. Cause I don't love that part of myself. 
right? So instead of doing that, allowing myself to be honest, like, so a small example is when a friend really asks me how I'm doing, instead of saying, like I just did, right? (laughs) Bad example, but instead of saying, I'm great, I'm wonderful. If I'm having a shitty day or a hard day, I'm like, you know what? And yes, I'm a mess today, but we're going to make it, right? So just, so I think that would be my first step, continuing to work on that vulnerability. Yeah. And I mean, on that vulnerability side, even the, uh, the fact that you're talking about being black woman and identifying as queer, I didn't actually know you identified as queer until very recently. Yeah. And the, the fact that you're feeling comfortable and ready to like (laughs) talk about it more is so beautiful. Uh, which, kind of begs the question, do you feel like there's a space in Sacramento where you feel comfortable being a woman, black, and queer? Yeah, most of Sacramento. Really? <laughs> now let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, that's bullshit. <laughs> uh, I mean, I think that's such a big part of, I'll be really honest, like mm-hmm. the art scene, poetry, um, there's room for you. Yeah. To be all of those things. And I think, I know it was in the, the last interview, but I talked about, you know, there were three places um, that I that really stood out to me. So Luna's, Sheba, and uh, the Speak Out, Speak Out Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, it's, it's just mad love in each of those, each of those spaces. Um, I think... You know, Sheba is just so near and dear to me because it's the first place I ever spit. I love going in there and being like, ooh, I love being black. This is great. Mm-hmm. I feel at home. This is comfortable. Um, Luna's is just family. Mm-hmm. You know, the only thing people actually really give a shit about is like, Ayo, are you a nice person? Yeah. Cool. You are? Great. Welcome. Yeah. And then Speak Out Sack is it's everyone's so unique and different. And it and I mean this in the most loving most complimentary way i tell people that's one place like yo everyone fits in because like no one fits in there Mm. right so those are my three my three spaces how'd you even get introduced to our poetry scene like (laughs) what made you come out because you went to mahogany first yeah that was the first place you Mm -hmm. ever went to how'd you find out about mahogany it's wild yeah (laughs) So, uh, my best friend, Erica Talbot, and if she's listening to this, Erica, I love you. Thank you so much. Um, was sharing, she sent me something, a YouTube, I think it was button poetry. She sent me a spoken word piece and, and I was like, Ayo, this is dope. Uh, and then she said, Hey, would you want to go check out some spoken words? So I went, (laughs) I went one night and I didn't, I didn't spit this night. But I remember going and hearing someone spit and thinking, oh shit, someone <laughs> feels that way in a way that like I could, I could relate to and in the way that it's being presented feels very reminiscent of, you know, hip hop, which is so near and dear to my heart. Mm-hmm. Right. So I was like, this could be rad. Uh, and I've always liked to write. So I I went and I I wrote a spoken word piece and I sat on it. I didn't share it for the longest time. I finally shared it with Erica. And long story short, that Wednesday, I ended up at Mahogany (laughs) for my first open mic. And that's kind of how I got into it. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It's a whole journey and a whole adventure. Cute little story. And then from there, you found out about uh, most open mic in the city. Yes. How did you find out about that? Uh, you know what? 
I feel like it was honestly Facebook. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to social media for doing good things sometimes. <laughs> Andrew with the Facebook ads. Andrew. We love Andrew. <laughs> Drew Bear. <laughs> no, but I, I, I saw it on Facebook. Um, and I, th- I the concept was so cool. Still one of my favorites to this day. Showed up. And as I don't know, like, I feel like I have to tell this story. Mm. But um, for those of you who don't know, I so I, I show up at this, the most open mic. I have my little cute little poet notebook. <laughs> this is before I had any confidence. And it's one of those things where you just go. There's no order. There's no real list, right? And so essentially, I keep looking at my book and chickening out. I'm looking at my <laughs> book. I'm like, I'm going to go. I'm not going to do it. And this fool comes over <laughs> and yes comes over and stands next to me, looks at me and is like, what did you say? You said something about sharing. Uh, I, th- I think was- I said something like, do you have something you'd like to share with the class or something like yeah. that? Yeah. And I was like, this guy. It's my usual way of like <laughs> coaxing people out because as someone I've hosted, I mean, I've hosted and been a part of more than 600 improv shows over the years uh, on top of all of my spoken word experience. And I love hosting. I learned so much about (laughs) just being able to read a crowd. And my favorite moment is when someone wants to share, but they feel nervous. And so they start like, I don't know. I don't know. And you just give them that little invitation. (laughs) Just like, here, do with this however you feel. You're more than invited to come up. And then eventually... Usually by the end of the night, usually near the end, they'll finally go like, you know what? If I don't do it now, I might not get to do yeah. it. And they just walk up. And, the, and that was pretty much the story with you. Yeah. Because like I gave you the little invitation, mm-hmm. the little nudge. And then I think I checked in on you one more time. Yeah. And then it was like five, ten minutes mm-hmm. later, you just kind of like popped in. I was like, ah. It was so good. Because usually those are my favorite performances because it is something different that mm-hmm. you've never heard before. Something that is really true and from the heart because someone who doesn't perform doesn't have the instinct to like, I'm going to appease the crowd. Yeah. So there, it's just going to yeah. be good or bad or whatever. whatever. It's here and it's honest and it's full blast. And um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just love the the journey you've gone on with your poetry. And, and yourself, your your whole self. Because you've had like a lot of personal change happen, especially lately. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, we don't need to get into it. It's a whole thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> and it's none of your business. No, I mean, um, hey. Well, if you want, no. <laughs> I'm not I'm not about to make a podcast like that. Um, so, I guess we're coming towards the, the end of this. And I feel like, well, there's two things specifically that I want to ask. First of all is... What's something that you wish more people knew about you? Oh. <laughs> I love that reaction. <laughs> I, You know what? I honestly, I think we talked about this last time. Mm. I, I'm a really silly person. Mm-hmm. I'm a very silly person. And I think because I tend to be very shy and a little, you know, you, you, until you get to know me, it's, you don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I feel like, uh, and I mentioned this in our last time on the podcast too, <laughs> uh, <laughs> The there's a certain pressure, it feels like, from an outside perspective for black women to be stoic and yeah. serious. And God forbid you show anything else or else there's an air of weakness yeah. to you. And uh, I don't know, is there more to say on that? or? A- yeah. I mean, <laughs> definitely. You know, you... 
it's the, the whole concept of excellence can be a slippery slope. Mm. Right. Um, and again, because you are also maybe whether or not you realize it busy trying not to affirm negative stereotypes, it's really scary to present as anything else, but on top of it, truly. Mm. Truly, it, it's it's scary to be silly because then you might you, you worry like, oh, are people going to think I don't have the intellect to, that measures up? Right. Or are they going to not take me seriously or are they going to think they can walk all over me? So, you know, you at least for myself, I don't I don't do it on purpose, yeah. um, but it is something that I'm definitely working on. Yeah. And, and does that come from personal insecurity or does that come from the way you get treated out in the world? I think both. Yeah, truly. Um and, and and again, we're as a person of color, mm-hmm. constantly striking that balance between, yo, am I being hyper vigilant, sensitive, or like, is this really a thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so, I think it becomes a defense, right? If you kind of start to assume, like, oh no, this is this is a really a thing, like, they're probably racist. Your guard goes up. So if that is the case, you're not disappointed. So then again, that goes back to like, I'm not going to be open and like giggle with you because I don't know if you're going to like try to come for me later. Wow. And as someone who's familiar with it, it sounds a lot like similar symptoms to someone who's been gaslit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you, as we've heard throughout the podcast and throughout many podcasts and many people who've shared their stories in our world, it's very much... That's what society does. It tells you that you've done something wrong, even though you haven't. It follows you. It encourages people to follow you in a store, yes. even though you haven't stolen anything. It's active gaslighting. <laughs> I uh, I always tell people, it's like, yo, you, but also you keep poking the bear, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You keep you treat people like they don't matter long enough, and you silence them long enough, and you push them into a corner long enough. Then yeah. Yeah. You will catch the you catch these hands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you catch this fade for sure. <laughs> so yeah, got, that's a really good way to put it. Yeah, it, it's gaslighting, and also it reminds me a lot of the narcissistic versus um, uh, codependent relationship, mm, where it's exactly what yeah. you're talking about. Narcissist will push and push and yeah. push, and then when the um, when the codependent acts up, yeah, they'll suddenly go, "Oh, so you're just acting crazy now." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And how many times do we hear that in society? <laughs> Probably why the divorce rate is so high. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, like Americans in general, we just don't know how to talk to each other. No. And communication is so important. I've, I, someone who, my first relationship was when I was 24. Mm-hmm. <laughs> get asked for relationship advice so much mm. and people go like wow you give amazing advice and i'm like 99 percent of the time i'm just saying have you talked to him <laughs> and and people go like no i haven't talked to him why haven't you talked to him well i mean i just don't know how they'd react so you're not comfortable opening yourself up so is that a problem to you? And they go, well, I love him. That's not the question. That. You know, I, whether or not you love him, her, them, whoever, right. it doesn't matter. It's are you able to be yourself around them or are you stunting yourself? Yeah. That part. <laughs> that's a whole tangent that I just that's, went on. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, so, it's so real though, right? It's yeah. like everything else. It's a balance. And also on the flip side of that, I think 
communication, people assume it's just talking. It's mm. actually listening. Mm, yeah. What would happen if you asked a question and then actually listened? Yeah, yeah. Like, but for real. Yeah. And, and uh, I hear the idea of listening, and uh, I've been told I'm a good listener. I feel like... Confirmed. <laughs> it, it feels weird to call myself a good... Li- I'm a good listener while I'm talking. <laughs> At the same time, it's a weird thought. Uh, but, like, I guess, what are the keys for you for being a good listener? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Because it's really easy to stare at someone and go, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. I think Chris Rock did a whole bit on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's like uh, when you're, you start, you check out, you're talking to a toddler. You're like, oh, my goodness, what? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> That's so awful. Oh, my God. No, they didn't take your glue. Right? Like, <laughs> it's like wild. Uh, <laughs> so what does it mean to you to be like a, a good listener? What does active listening mean? Um, <clears throat> being patient. And I, and I mean, what I, what I mean by that is allowing someone to finish their complete statement. Mm. that is really hard when you're not seeing eye to eye Mm. and sometimes people listen to respond what if you listen and then actively practice not saying anything for like 30 seconds so that's the kind of hype i'm on like i i and, and trying to strike the balance between not going back and forth with you and cancel culture, right? Because yeah. I'm not going back and forth with anybody, yeah. right? Like, if you want to talk to me, we can definitely have a conversation, but I'm not going back and forth with you. Yeah. I mean, there there is a certain point where it just becomes cyclical. Yeah. And it's very clear that it's cyclical. And at a certain point, you got to give up the fact that you can't change people. Well, you've got to accept the fact that you can't yeah. change people. You've got to give up on trying. And... Something that's helped me is the idea of I can really only be a point of exposure. Mm. Like, I if you know I'm talking to someone who's a white supremacist, you know, extreme example. Mm-hmm. I can't expect them to completely change themselves. It'd be nice. It'd be beautiful. Right. But what I can be is an example that they look back on later and go like, Oh yeah. Okay, that kind of made sense. Carry the one, borrow the three. Yeah, carry the one, borrow the three. <laughs> and then they get another point of exposure, and they're like, okay, maybe yeah. maybe they're onto something. Yeah. And they finally get curious enough to they themselves look into it. Because I can't give you change. Can't. It's got to start from inside. Uh, what? <laughs> I know, right? Damn it. <laughs> but we get very focused. I think that's that's a big thing with uh, cancer, cancer culture, cancel culture. Mm-hmm. That whole idea of like, you're not changed right now. I'm out. I'm out. But it's also valid if someone's dangerous. Right. We need to, you know, make sure that they're not in our shit. <laughs> yeah, that part. And yeah. I, I think a lot of that has to do with your boundaries and your values, right? Because mm-hmm. we all have non-negotiables. Yeah. Right? If you cross that non-negotiable boundary, you cancel... You cancel forever, yeah, right? Yeah. You just crossed a, a gnarly line for me. You know, I think, and like you said, it, you're not, and that's it. That's why I won't go back and forth with somebody. Yeah. Right. I can't change you. I could potentially give you something to think about. And I hope you can do the same. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, uh wow. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to cut over. I'm going to cover something completely different. Sure. Something I brought up on the last podcast, uh, which I, I love bringing up because people don't realize this when they first look at you. You were very much influenced for a little while. <laughs> a little 
under the influence, we might say. <laughs> but nothing illegal. It should be. <laughs> Bodybuilding. Sips Gatorade. <laughs> Sips Gatorade. Literally. Sips, Sips, what is that? Literally Gatorade. Zero G Gatorade. Okay, get out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> not Nad, not Nad. Uh, bodybuilding, yeah. which I didn't expect, and you'd been doing it for... Yeah, I did it for two years. Two years. And I guess part of your growth as a person, yeah. I noticed, like that was a big shift in terms of how much you owned yourself. Mm-hmm was being able to go out and show yourself to the world in a way that you never had before. And I don't want to speak on your behalf for this, even though we already had the conversation, (laughs) I could. Um, Please tell me about just like what the atmosphere was like, Mm -hmm. what it did for you, et cetera. Just give me the full rundown. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's such a, it's wild. It was such a great time in my life, but I'm, I'm also happy it's done. I learned a lot. Um, I think what bodybuilding gave to me or helped me realize was, you know, it's okay to walk in your power mm-hmm. and it's okay to shine. Mm-hmm. Like those were two things that I, especially that shine part. Mm-hmm. Cause I'm growing up, I like, yo, I'm just trying to get to practice. I'm putting on jeans and a t-shirt. Like that's not my thing. Right. So I was never really comfortable with that type of attention, I'll be very honest. So that in in so many like bodybuilding did that for me, but also just practically speaking, if I can get on stage, I've said this before, yeah. pretty much naked, right? Because it's you're I'm in a bikini, knowing that people are literally there to judge my body <laughs> and how it looks, right? If I can get on that stage and shine and rock it, I can most certainly get up on stage, speak my truth around people who came to listen to me or are there because they love me. Wow, yeah. And see, I got to be honest, the first time that I heard you were doing bodybuilding, I had a reaction that I feel like is very, <laughs> well, I feel like is very common. I can't say for sure. But that bodybuilding, that's oddly superficial. Oh, 100. Yeah. A lo- I, that's why I kept it from y'all fools for like six months. <laughs> I didn't tell any of them I was bodybuilding. But like, like superficial, but I was like really curious at yeah. that point. Like, why did she get into it? And seeing the, the depth of what you decided to take it from, do you feel like that's an aspect that everybody goes into bodybuilding with? Or is that? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I'll be honest. I'll be yeah, honest. Yeah. That's a big part of why I got out of it because it the I went into it with this like mind body soul right I want to feel good I want to look good all the things right but then I got fixated on I got nitpicky mm. oh how come I can't see this line here oh is this and I I just stepped on the scale it says I'm um, I'm a pound over mm. that's not a way to live my I don't want to live that way and yeah. and there's and to people who are bodybuilding and wanted bodybuild hell yeah. You're a beast. It takes a special person. True. Because I like food with taste. <laughs> yeah, I remember you'd tell me what your dinners were, and I'd be like, Yeah. Like, no, <laughs> like, not in a million years. No. I mean, what for a, for a, a reward, like grapes was like a thing. Mm. I was like, Oh my God, I get to have grapes today. <laughs> it's like, What? What a horrible life. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was a, it was an interesting time. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you grew so much out of it. I did. And there's so much to be said for, like, I'm just so excited to see where you're going to be going, both literally and metaphorically, in the future. And, yeah. Yeah.
Thank you so much for being on here. I think that's about... Well, we're over time as usual. I usually aim for 30 minutes, and like usual, I failed completely, but we had a great conversation and a great time. So, yeah, thank you again for being on here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I love your face. And uh, if you're out there, make sure you take care of yourself. And uh, if you have a hard time taking compliments, you can do the work. It's okay. And you're beautiful. Take that. Dance straight. <laughs> Bye.